So I feel like I'm not joining my love for technology, my love for scaling organizations, but also my love for making a difference in people's lives. Welcome to La Wagon Live. Our guest today is Pascal Odette, CEO at Carebook, a senior executive turned entrepreneur with over 20 years of business management experience, including leading the Walt Disney Company's Club Penguin. Pascal has an established track record of building teams of experts committed to sustainable growth. Carebook is a patient-facing platform for pharmacy and clinic groups that addresses the needs of health professionals and individuals. Dive into Pascal's people-first vision for her healthcare platform and her journey as an entrepreneur. So hi, everybody. I'm Pascal Rodette. I'm presently the CEO of Carebook Technologies. I'm sure we'll have a chance to talk about what Carebook is. Uh, basically, I'm an entrepreneur. It's, uh, it's, it's been a few times for me. Um, I'm, not, uh, I'm not young anymore. And so I've been doing this for a long time, <laughs> over 25 years of different high-level uh, management roles. Uh, in the last eight years, I've, uh, I was in technology and in the gaming industry, which for me are, relevant, are the same. Um, but the same in the sense that it is technology driven. And so um, before that, uh, for a long time, I started and grew a non-for-profit, uh, which, which is the Breakfast Club of Quebec and Canada, for those of you who know what it is. Uh, so feeding children in the morning before school starts. So very different, uh, but actually very relevant to what I'm doing now. So I feel like I've, I'm now joining my love for technology my love for scaling organizations, but also my love for making a difference in people's lives. And so uh, that's who I am. So happy to answer any other questions. Thank you for telling us about that. So uh, my first question is, how did you even get into kind of the digital healthcare industry? Because of course, the digital mm -hmm. gaming industry is very, very different from uh, what you were doing before when you founded Hyper Hippo. And of course, yep. I know you've done um, a little bit of gaming as well when you're working with um, Disney. Yep. How did you find um, the transition into healthcare industry from the gaming as well? And what were yep. the challenges that you had to overcome? Uh, that's actually an interesting story. So when I, for me, <laughs> when I uh, I worked for uh, Club Penguin, which is in gaming, and so that that was a startup, and it was acquired by the Walt Disney Company in 2012. <laughs> so for many years, I grew that, and I got to really be at the head of a big, big uh, digital group at the Walt Disney Company, where I I really grew that group globally, and so I went from one studio to six studios, and start I start I started over seeing many, many hundreds of people. And when, when that was over, I did a small startup that was Hyper Hippo, again in the gaming industry in Kelowna, BC, where I was living at the time. And when I decided to move back to Quebec, in my mind, I was thinking, okay, so how do I find the, the same level of challenge that I had at Disney uh, or at least find an opportunity that would allow me to scale it to what I got to live every day when I was with Disney because I, we got to scale it globally. And in my mind, I wanted a project that was well-financed okay. that would have the ability to make a, a difference in people's life. I was not necessarily thinking healthcare. I was thinking how I love technology, but I don't like technology for technology. I like technology that has a meaning and that brings added value to people's life. So I was, okay. that was those were my guidelines. Mm -hmm. I wanted to work with good people. I wanted to make a difference. I wanted to take a project that I could scale globally. And mm -hmm. I started going around Montreal when I moved back 
to Montreal because that's where I was from and met a lot of people and developed a network. And they all started telling me, well, that's what you're describing is healthcare. And (laughs) so I thought, okay, tech, tech, health. Okay. So then I I funneled my, my research and eventually found the right group. Mm -hmm. They gave me the opportunity that I have right now to be at the head of this uh, great uh, startup. Perfect. When did you like, apart from, of course, the tech part, what was some of the, did you find any similarities between the the digital gaming issue that you were, that you were able to kind of bring those, you know, to um, Carebook right now? Uh, similarities in the type of work? Uh, absolutely. Yes. It's because I, I'm a generalist. And so that's mm-hmm. important to understand. I don't come with, I, I know enough of everything, but I yeah. always surround myself with very solid individuals. And so for, for me, when I look at a challenge, it's always the same thing. It's figuring out at what stage it's at. Mm-hmm. And then building the blocks to bring it to the next level. That's always how I see a company. It's almost like I, almost like I see the blocks in my head. And mm-hmm. so I took that challenge just like the one I took when I was in gaming, which was I understand the product. What are its potential? How do we scale this globally? So the same kind of reflexes uh, were used mm-hmm. to step into the healthcare industry Obviously, I need to, and I had to surround myself with people that knew healthcare, mm-hmm. which I was lucky because the majority owner and the chairman is actually a doctor, and mm-hmm. so I, I had right beside me the right mentor to guide me in the healthcare yeah. industry. But outside of that, it's always the same thing: scaling a company is scaling a company, and that's my mandate, and that's what I love doing. So, mm-hmm. all the same yeah. reflexes are used. <laughs> and a little bit more on healthcare. And um, do you mind just you know giving us or giving our audience um, a little bit like a brief overview of what um, CareBook yeah, does? So we started off not doing what we're doing right now. So the world of startups is is all, most all, most always means that there will be some pivots at some point. <laughs> Lots of pivots, uh, and, and we had a few pivots happen. Um, and so we started off as something that I, there's no point actually describing because I, I took a small technology that was already existing. And just to give you, a, we put you in context, I took an existing company, we rebranded it, completely changed the model. The tech team was in Russia working out of a small apartment block <laughs> and, and there was no Canadian employees. I started from that to slowly, completely having to recode everything slowly over over a few years and rebuilding the team, etc. So, what it is is basically it's a, it's a platform for individuals for you and I mm-hmm. to and our goal is to help people it's to empower individuals to manage our own health as much as possible. So basically, take the health system as it is today in Canada or the USA or other countries and try to reimagine it, putting the individuals at the center of it and Mm -hmm. rebuilding the processes that would empower individuals instead of often leaving us a little bit uncertain about how to act, how we're supposed to manage our health or if we're diagnosed with a chronic conditions, where do you go for support or so it's, it is not built for us. It is built as the system is built for the system. The technology mm-hmm. for the health industry is built for the people that work in the health industry, not for the patients. 
<laughs> it's normal because when you th we we want efficiency and we want systems that work for you as a worker in the health industry, we're just looking at it a little bit differently mm -hmm. and building solutions for individuals. So we're a, a B to B to C if you guys understand what it means. So we offer solutions to businesses to the health industry so that they can better support their patients. Mm -hmm. So that's the C, that's the consumer. So business to business to consumer. So we don't charge the users for our solutions. It's always the business that pays. So right now we have three different verticals. We have a solution for pharmacies, which we just launched recently with a big, big partner in Canada. We're super happy about it. So it's an app for individuals to manage all their prescriptions online and mm -hmm. to be able to interact with their pharmacist, et cetera. So that's one thing. The second mm -hmm. one is we're just signing our, our new vertical in insurance. So insurance, think of health insurance, how to, as an individual, to better manage your, your policies, get the best offer out there, et cetera, manage mm -hmm. your health better through that. And the third came through, that's another pivot, very <laughs> because of COVID, um, we looked at the really solid platform that we were developing in the last few years. And we thought, I think we have something that could help the population today live throughout this, these uncertain times. So we actually developed an app and we're in the process of being certified by Health Canada okay. to be a medical device. And it basically is an app that helps you figure out and, and uh, control your symptoms as you go through potentially having COVID or you think you have COVID. So you can do a self-assessment. We have a I'm almost done describing because that's super interesting, that part. We have a new technology we've integrated into our app. And this technology, through the camera of your phone, allows you to take the scan of your vital signs. So you no longer need any medical device. You don't need um, a medical device for your blood pressure. You don't need a medical device to check your heart rate, etc. All of mm -hmm. this is done through the camera of a phone. So... With that solution, we feel we have a great solution to offer the population. So this is what we've been working on in the last few months. You know, that's it's very interesting that you're talking about that because that's actually going to be my next question because I was going to ask you, you know, how did you kind of worked on, you know, this kind of um, product before? Like, you know, because obviously for three, three to four months, it's not a, a long time for certain companies to build a complete new product like that and kind of pivot in that way. So, yeah. it's, you know, it's... I just want to say, like, I when I when I went through the care book website and I saw the COVID nineteen, I was like, oh my god, you can scan my vitals with yeah. my camera. <laughs> yeah, and we, no, well, we did not develop that that uh, that technology. It's uh, it's through an API. You guys know what an API is now. Yeah. So, <laughs> so it's through. We we actually it's a third party technology from Israel that mm -hmm. we had found right before COVID hit us, and we were kind of testing and playing with it. And then COVID hit us and we thought, okay, this plus our platform, we have something winner. And mm -hmm. so we started working on the algorithm to join uh, a traditional uh, questionnaire mm -hmm. and then the scan and then giving recommendations at the end with mm -hmm. an algorithm. Mm -hmm. So, and we worked in collaboration with the Jewish General Hospital for that. So we have our own science team, but we wanted to have a credible entity, credible of health uh, entity work with us. So we didn't do that alone. And the technology is not from us, but it's that I think in our world of technology, this is how you go fast, is mm -hmm. when you don't think you have to build it all yourself. That's a very important lesson 
And mm-hmm. then a lot of entrepreneurs have a hard time understanding. Is they always feel they always feel or tech driven entrepreneurs may fo- may think they have to build every piece of code, and mm-hmm. that's not the case, and that's not how you scale quickly. At least that's my opinion. I think that's really really great advice because, of course, you know, personally for me coming in from doing um, halfway through a boot camp, you. Mm-hmm. With my mentality, I would love to build everything on my own. But of course, no one can ever have all the skills. It's always great to, you know, start outsourcing what you're not so good at or if someone has, you know, better advantage than you. Like it's, it's like you said, it's a better way to scale. And it's, it, much it's, it's also a way, it's a way to scale. It's a way to go faster. And, and in that world, it goes so fast and changes mm-hmm. are so every day. There's new apps every day. There's mm-hmm. new apps coming out in order to stay in front of all of this, or at least in front, not maybe not in front of everybody, but in the in the winning ones in front, mm-hmm. uh, leading the way. You you can't be relying only only on your team and on your codes, and so you always have to be aware of what's happening out there, mm-hmm. um, and be willing to to go with uh, partners. Mm-hmm. And of course, with COVID, um, CareBook definitely spent a lot of time with this uh, COVID nineteen app. What other changes were uh, kind of happened at um, care books since COVID were some of the decisions that you had to make. I did actually read an article which um, spoke about how CareBook, um, you guys delivered your office chairs and your yeah. screen employees, and then you guys are really taking care of the mental and physical health of your employee during lockdown. And I just really want to applaud you for that because um, I know a lot of companies, and up until today, whether it's the company or it's the management, they really don't recognize the importance of um, mental health. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, what are some of the other decisions that you know you guys had to yep. make as management? Uh, well, obviously, unfortunately, we all had to go home on March 13. I'll always remember that date. It was a sad <laughs> day. <laughs> nobody expected that we would still be sitting at home today, but hey, it's it's life. Uh, but from the beginning, we are we already what helped us a bit is already we had a um, a, a policy of working from home, mm-hmm. uh, not all the time, and not everybody was doing it. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't oh, it was a known and an accepted notion that people could work from home if they wanted to, and so we already were equipped with all the the Zoom and the Slack and all all the systems that allowed us to work remotely. Mm-hmm. That was not a big adjustment. The adjustment was. Do it all the time and all of us mm-hmm. uh, and mm-hmm. at the same time. So obviously, we one of the things we did is we stayed in. I don't know if you guys know what um, Office Vibe is, uh, but Office Vibe is a tool that is offered to companies, and it's it's not a, an expensive software, and it basically mm-hmm. sends surveys to your employees, regular surveys to check their level of happiness, how they feel rewarded, uh, do they feel like their the vision of the company is aligned with their values, like. It's a lot of different um, uh, types of questions. And mm-hmm. through that, you can do your own surveys. And we kept sending surveys all the time, uh, asking how they're doing, what we could do to improve their level of happiness, to make sure they were less stressed. Mm-hmm. And it ended up being that we saw trends. And after a few weeks, people started falling, like realizing that it was going to be for a while. Mm-hmm. So we, we thought, okay, so what do you need? Do you need equipment? What would, what would work for you? So we ended up with way more flexible schedules, mm-hmm. um, very respectful of people that had to work with kids. And so mm-hmm. we never made any mention when somebody 
had kids running around while we were having <laughs> meetings. It still happens. <laughs> well, we have meetings. We'll see a little Tarzan crying on the screen, <laughs> or our dogs barking, or you, you know, you know. Yeah. And so we're very respectful, and we're we have a culture of like we laugh all the time. So mm-hmm. we just turned that into more opportunities to not take ourselves too seriously mm-hmm. but also yes deliver their chairs we send them little care packages little love notes uh, a lot more um all team meetings so mm-hmm. I, I address them every two weeks all the time a lot of uh q a's um actually last week Thank, thank you. We finally were able to meet in a park uh, <laughs> at two meters dif- distance, but still, and it was lovely. So um, we're just a very close-knitted group. So mm-hmm. for some people, it, it, it still is somewhat hard. But mm-hmm. we, our latest survey is actually showing that 80% now of people mm-hmm. are finding it comfortable mm-hmm. and okay. Mm-hmm. So now we're considering a, a a model where it will be a hybrid model when mm-hmm. all of this is behind us. If mm-hmm. it ever gets there, I, we hope so. Mm-hmm. Uh, but once that's all over, we'll never go back to what it was before. Mm-hmm. So we'll be I can- more flexible. <laughs> Honestly, I kind of feel like you have some like a way of like reading to my mind to ask what my like to answer my next question. <laughs> um, because like the thing that I was going to mention is, of course, you know, with um, the last couple of months of experience with COVID, a lot of companies, of course, is kind of leaning towards working from home. I mean, even um, Shopify basically issued a statement that, you know, moving forward, everybody's working remotely. So do you kind of also envision Carebook um, more or less saying that, you know, you guys are free to work from home or would you still prefer to have um, some people to kind of come in on a scheduled basis? No. Nope. Now that's not gonna, that. Yeah, I can tell you already. I don't know exactly what the model will look like, but there will not be mandated times to show up. And mm-hmm. the reason being that we already were not able to do that because we already had people working from different provinces. Mm-hmm. And so we were never all the time in the same room. So why should I mandate all our Montreal workers to show up at one place at the same time? When I'm already not able to ask that from the other people. So we'll definitely continue that path of uh, the office becoming uh, a place to work for people that are not comfortable or for whatever reason prefer to come to work. Obviously, mm-hmm. that's always going to be available. Mm-hmm. But mostly for different times. We work on an agile methodology. Mm-hmm. Some of you will, will know what I'm talking about. And so there, there's a lot of ceremonies to follow and you have the stand-ups and you have every two weeks, you have the scrums. And the, so there's, there's a lot of different ceremonies to follow. And in certain times during the sprint, it is still better, like brainstorms, et cetera, still mm-hmm. more comfortable to meet in person, more efficient. So mm-hmm. the office would be available for those times as smaller teams where you want to be together to brainstorm or strategic mm-hmm. planning or things mm-hmm. like that. But it will not be the place where we will force people to go to work at a certain set schedule, et cetera. Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. Okay. And just going to more general questions now. Um, so, you know, you've been part of the tech industry for quite some time. Was it because of your love for tech that kind of led you to become mentors um, and member board members of Accelerator programs? No. <laughs> <laughs> Did you hope I was going to say yes? I <laughs> see it, me partially. <laughs> Not at all, actually. Uh, I love what kind of got you there. So uh, yes, I will tell you. Uh, I, I vote, what I like about what I do is that I get to 
my mentor, my style of leadership has always been mentorship. And mm-hmm. so I realized that there is no difference for me to, to coach or to mentor my team. I do that naturally and I love doing this. And I've mm-hmm. been doing it for so long now mm-hmm. that for me to stretch that into doing this for other groups or one-on-ones, mm-hmm. um, that is natural. And that's my way of giving back, honestly. Mm-hmm. That's my, that's my non-for-profit. That's my, mm-hmm. that's my volunteer work, I should say. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's always been like that. I, it, it's, it's about helping people grow and find their direction and actually stretch their ceiling. And once they find, there's always obstacles in life. And mm-hmm. um, when you, when you are my age and you've seen so much, then I always feel like not always, but I, I've had, I've had, um, obstacles and I found ways around it. I've seen others go through mm-hmm. so many things mm-hmm. that I try to help as much as I can, but that is why I do this. I'm not honestly, I, I'm going to add something more because when I was younger, I did not have good, good role models mm-hmm. at all. I actually was unlucky with the types of leaders that I had around me. Mm-hmm. And so I promised myself that if I could make it easier for others in the future, Mm-hmm. I try my best. So that's also why I do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what's so great about the tech community. Like everybody's just so open to yeah. helping one another. So um, it's 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 really the, the, um, a great community to be a part of. Um, as, yeah, as um, an entrepreneur yourself, having um, starting up a few of your own companies, what would be some of the um, advice that you would give for aspiring entrepreneurs like some of us in um, our boot camp or others out in the audience um i think one thing is go for something you're passionate about so starting a company and and coding and and developing a tech or creating or or starting a a tech company uh, Mm -hmm. you can do so many different things go for something that you that you feel is actually something you're going to like doing because Mm -hmm. it's the going will get tough mm-hmm. and you will start wondering why the heck you got into this. <laughs> so you need something to remind yourself that, oh yeah, it's not just about the outcome. It's about the fact that on a day-to-day basis, I actually enjoy doing what I'm doing. It has mm-hmm. to also be about that because if it's mm-hmm. all, only about the end goal, many startups don't make it first. And second, it has to be about the experience. It has to be because you're learning and because you're achieving something that you're proud of, et cetera. So go for mm-hmm. something you're passionate for. The mm-hmm. other thing is I would say um, for tech entrepreneurs, so people that are techies first and want to start a company, um, don't be afraid from an early stage to surround yourself with people that compliment you, not mm-hmm. compliment you, but compliment <laughs> you. I made that mistake once because I'm French. <laughs> it's not the same thing at all. <laughs> that are complimentary to you um, because you can't know it all and it's okay. Mm-hmm. And so don't be afraid to go after the types of people and the types of strengths uh, an experience that you don't have mm-hmm. uh, because it will come back to bite you if you're not thinking a company is a company a company mm-hmm. is not just technology it's so much more you can build a great product but if you've not thought about looking at your market and and making sure that there's an actual need for your product well it could be the best product out there mm-hmm. if there's no need for it nobody's going to buy it or if mm-hmm. you don't have the right monetization model for it it's not going to work or 
Um, there's so many things. Uh, or you don't know how to hire great talent and how to compensate it correctly. Or you don't have the experience to go fundraise. So there's is so many things. A company is 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 many many things. So if you're not good at it, which rarely does it happen that somebody can do it all, mm-hmm. at least maybe at the beginning, but not for long. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid to hire and or to partner with people that are better than you in all those things that are complementary to your set of skills. That, mm-hmm. that would be my two big things, I think. Mm-hmm. And then was there, a, would you care, um, be happy to share if there's any um, hurt, like really, really big hurdles throughout your entrepreneurial journey that you kind of stop at one point that made you rethink, am I, why am I still, like, should I still go for it? And what mm-hmm. made you overcome that and push you and continue to do what you do? And of course, now you're in, you created a few great companies already. Um, yes. Uh, without going into details, um, the, 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 it happened once that I wondered why the heck I was doing this. Um, because, um, I, I, one of the startup that I started, not this one, but one of the startup I started, something happened with my partner and I ended up finding myself, having deciding to exit earlier than I was expecting. And then I found myself thinking, why the heck am I doing this? Why, why do I put myself through all of this? And it's, it hurts and I miss my team and it was too early. I was not planning this. It did not happen the way I had planned. It rarely does in life, especially yeah. in entrepreneurship. And then I started thinking through exactly what I just told you before. You don't do this only for the end goal. You don't mm-hmm. do this because of where it may go. You do this because you wake up every morning and you like what you're doing. And that's a choice that I had made to be mm-hmm. in in, uh, in startups and to be in a young organization. And there are always risks, but I prefer that to the big organization. It fits my skill set and my, my, who I am better. So mm-hmm. I had to go back to, it was your choice and you liked every day. Now it's hurtful, but it's not always like this. Um, so that's, that would be the big one is, to not expect that uh, it's always just fun, but mm-hmm. to remember why you're doing this and to respect yourself and to, I have my integrity. I decided to respect my values. It was mm-hmm. time to exit. I did not want this, but mm-hmm. life forced me into that situation. I just had to rebound. And somebody told me going through this hurtful experience, um, he said, and that was a good lesson actually, he said, mm-hmm. I think you needed a business scar. Now you have your business scar. <laughs> and it's not always about just successes that it's not always through successes that you learn. It's also mm-hmm. about challenges. It's of course about things not happening the way you had planned. And he was right because my next chain challenge was Carebook. Mm-hmm. I learned so much from what I had gone through before, and I see things differently. Um, so I grew out of that, so mm-hmm. it was worth it, but it was a challenging time. And I did rethink about what the heck I was doing, being an entrepreneur <laughs> without going into too many details. <laughs> I mean, it, it is a very, very tough journey. Like when I did, um, my master course and we had to, you know, everybody had to pitch an idea for, um, a, like a project that everybody has to vote on. And my group person, like our group, we, change our idea six times oh in a span of two months 
So part part of us are like, do we still want to do this? But we have to. We have no choice. So yeah, it's good. It's good to know. Um, oh yeah. What what are the the things that you know push you further and make you continue doing what you do? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, so um, that was my last question. So what okay. I'm going to do, I'm going to open up the floor um, for other people um, in the audience that has any questions. So yeah. I'm going to get Alini back here um, so that she can take on this. But thank you so much for oh, you're very giving welcome. us the time. Thank you so much. It was really, really inspiring. Oh, I'm happy. Yeah. I have a question here, actually, from uh, the the people in person, actually, uh, since it's a hybrid event. Let me ask you. Yep. So uh, it's from Deb. Uh, it's one of our students here at the batch, and she's asking, uh, the startup world is very dynamic and pivoting is common. Uh, how do you set strategies for upcoming events in such versatile environment? Yeah, that's a very good question. Huh? Let me think about this work for a moment. <laughs> um, I guess uh, I guess we. Uh, so I'll try to explain how we how I see building strategies moving forward. I always have high level targets for many years ahead, and the targets are not just in terms of financial or revenues. It's not just about, but it's also about how much we want to have had a reach. So because we're in healthcare. We're always looking at it by millions of patients we have met. And so because it's a, it's a vague but still pretty clear target, it's not about how you get there. It's about those high-level reach you want to have. And so it will happen that we have to, we go like this and how we will get there. So the, the, um, the initiatives we put in place or the products that we decide to go with and put to market, that will change through circumstances. And we're seeing it, we're seeing what happens right now. But it doesn't mean that I'm changing my, my long-term goals. I'm still, reach, I'm still reaching for a big dollar sign and I'm still reaching for millions of dollar, people that I will have reached and made a difference in their lives. So that's how we decided to look at it. And because we did that from an early stage, when we do have to pivot, which happens and it's normal, uh, we think a product is going to work and we start, we try entering into a market and we realize, hmm, wait a minute, wait a minute, the economy is not the same. Or right now, we just launched a solution for pharmacies. Well, guess what? Pharmacies are a little bit busy right now. So they're not really thinking about think- changing their entire technology. <laughs> so we kind of took that, put it a bit on the back burner, but instead we're push- pushing now on our COVID solution. Yeah. So we're, we're, we, because we keep our eyes on the long-term goal, the short term can always adjust. Exactly. It doesn't change. It doesn't change our our, our mission statement or our, our vision. Yeah. Does that yeah, make sense? Of course, and it's a matter of priorities and making sense in exactly. the environment. Yeah. Yes. And I think I have another one that would benefit a lot of the the students that are in the current batch. Uh, uh, eventually, you hire uh, devs and uh, yeah. product owners, managers. I, I imagine. Yes. Uh, what do you um, expect actually uh, uh, as uh, skills uh, mm-hmm. or attitude in terms of like junior devs? When you hire people, what do we expect uh, the most actually? Yeah. Uh, so outside of being good at what you do, <laughs> because that's normal, we all, obviously we want people that are talented, but we hire junior, intermediate and senior. So it's not just about having 12 years of experience. Uh, it's honestly from whatever role, it's the desire to build great products. We're a, we're a product oriented company. We're not a code oriented company. 
And so it is really about the end result. It's, it's really about shipping products. And because we use the agile technology, as I was saying before, our deliverables and every two weeks we have a demo day and the demo day people are excited to show their what they have delivered and you, they can't show it if it's not working. And so it has to be live. It has to be working. Um, so it's it's really, and that's, maybe it's hard to understand, but I've seen a lot of tech companies that are code oriented. Mm-hmm. We're not, we're product oriented. It has to work. It has to make, it has to have, be able to actually be in the hands of people quickly. Uh, we also believe, to believe in our vision, obviously, we're really focused on empowerment. We want to make a difference in people's life. And it's not just, words it's real and it's felt in our group um we're collaborators also so we we look for people that love to collaborate so we're obviously you have people that are more isolated and that's the way they like to work but we're really focused on collaboration easygoing generous with their talent uh you may be super good you've hired as a back-end engineer let's say or a developer but in a past uh, past experience, you also did something else in another company that is relevant to one of our projects. Well, our team will actually say, hey, I've done this before. Let me help you. So it's it's really about being generous with, their, with your strengths and your past experiences, not just focused on, no, that's not my job and I'll do what I was hired to do. So that's something that's very important for us. Um, I think what stands out the most is we want nice people because mm-hmm. we're, <laughs> we're, we're a very, we really genuinely care for each other. And so we're very careful who we, we bring in. And once they come in, they don't leave because we have fun and we do great stuff. And so uh, above the talent, honestly, is we're very careful to bring in people that we feel is a cultural culture fit. Okay. Um, so that's it. Yeah, it's super interesting because it's very similar to our culture of collaboration. We also work with Agile. Oh, so, <laughs> yeah, we I see a lot of the Lewagum uh, way of doing things. Uh, on what you say that is really Good cool. Yep, there is a oh another question here from uh, from the students um, from Timothy. Uh, do you face any outward pressure from big companies or individuals who do not want your business to succeed? Ah. Not yet, and I think it's because they don't know us. They don't know us yet. <laughs> uh, we've been able to to play under the radar a bit, and plus our approach has been to sign big clients, okay. and so those big clients have and have a desire to see us succeed because we're providing them with with a service. So right now, our way is to basically become their partner, and because we're helping them, they kind of. Su- protect us a bit um so so far not hasn't been a problem so far so good (laughs) yeah so there was a question about the the junior dev so you already answered and uh there is also a follow-up question to the last one Uh, do you worry about people stealing our software or ideas perhaps perhaps even from foreign countries like china who are um now known for intellectual uh yeah that's uh that's very interesting I'm not afraid, but I also know that time is of the essence. So everything will always end up being copied somehow, some way. I, uh, for those of you who know what Club Penguin is, it's an old, older game, but it used to be the game on the planet. And I remember at the time running Club Penguin 
which was an online game for for children. And within a within two two weeks of us launching new content, there was a copycat in China called Club Mole. Instead of penguins, they were moles. Exactly the same thing as us. They were copying us code for code within two weeks. And so honestly, there's not much you can do about this. So what you need to do is always be better and quicker. Better in the sense that offer better service. Uh, be quick to respond to the expectations of your clients. Be very responsive to what you're feeling the market is going and always being the first to uh, offer the features so that the, the, your clients and the new ones coming in have no reason to go to your competitors, even if they're doing eventually almost the same thing or potentially it could be even better in some cases. But if you've established good relationship with your, your clients, they won't move just yeah. for the for the sake of saving a dollar or two, right? Yeah. But it, it's totally possible. Yeah, and it's funny, there's a student saying that Club Penguin was her childhood. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, and I think I have one uh, question here from the, the platform, uh, from Ash. I would uh, really appreciate any words on wisdom on managing employees who are older than you. For what older, managing employees that are older than you. What rarely happens to me, because I'm older than everybody at my company, I, I never see an age as a blocker. It's more a question of value of, of values and how and personality types. I don't think it's about it's about um, and my my type of leadership is not about bossing around people. And I think whoever it is, an older employee or a new employee does not like to be bossed around. They want to be respected. They want to be empowered. They want to be heard. And so if you just focus on what an actual good manager should be, a good leader should be, and those are easy to find and it, you just need to, there's so much good reading now about what a good leader should be. It's not about how difficult an employee is. It's most of the time it's about your skills as a leader. And if there are big principles to follow and once you start following them, um, listening to what they're expressing, being clear on your expectations. Like there are just a few things like that. No matter if the person is older or younger, it will not make a difference. And it's not about positioning and about making them feel like I am the boss. This is the last thing you want. That's what I would say. Great answer. <laughs> and I think this is the, the last one. Uh, uh, thinking about the startup ecosystem, if you were to found a venture capital, would you do it in Quebec or another province? <laughs> uh, if I was to start another venture, and uh, no, I don't think I don't know that I would do that. Can I just answer that? <laughs> I think I would say I would not start another one. I would maybe join one and make sure that we do our research correctly to make sure we target we target exactly there. There are niches that are not met right now in the market in terms of types of companies or stages of companies. Like there's not a lot of early stage um, uh, venture capital, which I understand why, because it's riskier. But um, I think I would more focus on whatever market you're in, what's the niche that's not met correctly? And that's what I would go after more than starting necessarily a new one. Thank you for listening to Lewagon Live. Tune in next week for another episode. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe.